how's everyone doing this morning? All right. Um, man, we just want to, first of all, just thank you. We just want to thank you. You're, you're our church. You're, you're our people. This is our, we're home. Uh, people have asked us what it's like to be, to be back and to be home, and it feels good. Um, and I was sharing with a friend of mine that's in the military this morning. Sometimes, though, there's a, there's a battle. It's good to be home and to be encouraged, but I have warriors out in the field, and I feel torn of wanting to be back with them as they're in the battle. So it is good to be back. But if I hesitate, when you ask me, is it good to be home, know that there is a deeper thought going on, a battle going on within us as we're back. It is very great. We're very stoked to be here. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for hugging on us. Thank you for supporting us. You, anything you hear today, you are a part of. You're a part of. When you get to heaven, there's going to be a crown, and you'll be like, what the heck was that for? And we're like, remember? Remember what Jason and Noel got to be a part of, what I was doing? Yeah, you were involved in that. So we just want to just thank you from our family, our Hana, to yours, and to this church. Thank you. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for providing, paying our rent for us. Uh, if you didn't know, you do that. So thank you. For some of you that are new, thank you for paying our rent. Um, so we, uh, one announcement, I understand pictures and Instagram and all that. There will be a couple of photos that I'm going to ask you. Please do not forward the pictures of the people that you see on here onto the internet. They are going to be blocked on uh, what we're doing. And so um, I just want to like, please, man, take a photo. We'll get a photo afterwards. We'll Instagram and do all that stuff. But uh, for the photos that are going to be up here, uh, for safety concerns, I ask you to not forward on any of the pictures that you see. Um, there will only be two of them that are really. We started three years ago. We left here three years ago, and we moved to um, New Delhi, India. And we ministered there. We got to see a lot of things. Some of you guys came and visited us. Uh, Pua was there, and Kieli was there. And um, we got to see a crew come, and Tyler in the back was there. Um, just to update on Prince, Prince just gave me a message this week. He had trained right before you guys got there in January 2020. You guys got there in February 2020. He had uh, trained a pastor. He just got to be, he hadn't heard from this pastor for a year and a half through COVID. This pastor messaged him, hey, sorry, I didn't get a hold of you. I've been busy. We have planted five churches since you've came. Come on. Five churches. Man, it's so cool. So we were in Delhi, India. The team had come, and almost immediately after that, COVID hit. And we were forced to leave Delhi, India. We had come back here for about three days. We camped out at the king's house and ate all their food. And it was the point where we were stocking up toilet paper. We left some for you, Penny. I hope that made it through. Um, but then we had to go back to California. My dad was put in the ICU. We were then in California, uh, Florida for six months? Nine months. Uh, and we were literally Googling. India had closed. We were Googling what country was open. Where can we go? Um, we got a call in August of last year as we were sitting in, actually we were in Florida at the time, an explosion had happened in Beirut, Lebanon. 
200 people were killed instantly. Thousands of people were injured. Uh, an explosion happened, and a small team was going to go and minister to counsel, do trauma counseling, and share the gospel. And they asked us, Jason and Noel, we're, 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 we're taking a small team, and we would like you to be a part of that team. And we were like, I honestly, I'm just going to be real honest, um, I didn't do well in school. I'll share more of my testimony at another time, but... <laughs> I didn't know where Beirut, Lebanon was. And the last picture I had of it was tanks going down a road from maybe the 80s. Um, but I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know where it was on the map. I didn't know. But we just said yes. We're fully supported and ready to go. And we were living in my mom's house. And <laughs> we were ready to go. It helped that we were in my mom and dad's house. But we landed in... Um, I think there's a picture of the, this is the explosion that happened August 4th, uh, 2021. So when we saw that happen, this is Beirut, Lebanon here. Uh, this is the capital city of Lebanon. Uh, when that happened, we were asked to go. Um, we tried to go immediately. Um, they don't allow you to go into that country if you have a stamp from a certain country. Um, we had that stamp, so we had to get a new passport. As soon as we got that, we landed November 30th, 2020, 21? I don't know, your turn. <laughs> Noelle's going to share what it's like living in Lebanon. Is this on? I hope so. Hello? Okay. Okay. Um, so... We really didn't, I did know where Lebanon was, unlike Jason, but um, to be honest, we didn't know very much about it. And it is a beautiful country. There are, there is, we still continue to explore and find places that were blown away. It's a tiny country, but it's gorgeous. Um, the people are amazing. Some of the most like friendly and hospitable people we've ever met. Uh, so it's an enjoyable place to be. We think it's a better fit for our family than Delhi, <laughs> India, just being honest. Um, however, uh, if you've watched any news, world news, they have gone through an extreme uh, political and economic decline um, over the last two years. And so it's very bad, and I'm not going to go into details, but basically their currency has lost 90% of its value. So if you try to imagine what that would be like, just think of everything you own, um, the money you've saved, your paycheck being 10%, but it, the cost of living just keeps rising. So it's so hard. Every single person in the country is going through a struggle. Um, and... So living there is like, I don't know, we often say it feels like a roller coaster because like one day there could be protests happening. Um, you get reports like, okay, make your evacuation plan. Like things are going down and you're like, oh my gosh, okay. And then it kind of fizzles out after a couple days and then we could be at the beach with our family thinking this is wild. Um, or it could be a normal week where we're doing ministry and, 
you know, kids' activities, normal life, and then all of a sudden you can't find gas for your car or your power is out most of the time. And that's what our last uh, two weeks were like that we were there. So it's a wonderful place to be, but there's a lot of stress. And so we're, we really do feel like we're like this all the time. Um, just to give you a brief like, idea of what we do there, uh, our main goal is to share the gospel with anyone and everyone we come across. For us right now, it's anyone who speaks English, which thankfully there are a lot of people there that do. Um, whoever is interested in either following Jesus or even knowing more and willing to look into the word to, to find out about him, we meet with them, we start taking them through the Bible, teaching them who Jesus is, um, and then our goal is to start churches in communities led by those people so that they can reach their people because they will reach their people, their uh, churches will multiply much faster than if we went and just started a church there. So that's our goal. Um, so daily week or, you know, normal week, we're out sharing the gospel. We're doing follow-up with anyone who's um, interested. And then we're trying to learn Arabic, which is hard, but fun. Why'd you look at me? <laughs> fun. It's enjoyable. Yeah. Arabic's fun. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Um, and then just to give you a, an idea of the makeup of Lebanon, there are six million people. There's over a million refugees. Um, so if you think about that, that's a lot of people compared to how many people live there. Most of them are from Syria. Um, then religiously, it's mostly Shia Muslims um, in the south and the east. Sunni Muslims in the north, and then the middle is called Maronite, which is a form of Catholicism. And they are so divided by their religion, and their religion is their identity. So it is very hard for people to turn to Jesus, even the ones who claim to be Christian. You can tell it's more of religion than a relationship with Jesus. Um, so we can be open sharing the gospel, but it is not an easy place to see someone turn from what they know to following Jesus. One amazing thing that we love about being there, though, is the region that we're in, um, the Middle East as a whole, I believe there's around 400 million people, and most of them are far from Jesus. And so we get the opportunity to meet people from countries that I never would think I would have known someone from, and it's, it's exciting. So I'm gonna share one story about one girl that I got to meet. Um, I'm not gonna say her name, unfortunately, because she's in a dangerous place, but um, through a surfer we had met, like the friendliest surfer in Lebanon, um, one day we met 
his girlfriend, and she's visiting from a country that is extreme in that region. And so when I met her and she spoke English, I just thought, considering where this girl is from, I'm pretty sure she has never heard the gospel. And so I was very excited to share with her and even more surprised when she was extremely open. And you could tell from what she shared that God had been speaking to her throughout her life and I believed calling her to himself. And so I was like, wow. I think she's in. And so it took another two weeks to meet up with her again, just because of, you know, their schedules. Um, but during that time, I was praying. You hear about Muslims having dreams about Jesus. And so I prayed. Like, that seems like something Jesus would do. And I wanted her to have a dream to just confirm what she had heard. So finally, we met up with them again. And the first, I said, you know, have you thought about what we talked about? And she said, you won't believe what happened. And that second I knew, I was like, oh my gosh, she did. She had a dream that she was falling off the top of a mountain and Jesus caught her like that. And it was like, oh, this is crazy. Um, that this is happening with her. So I would say over the course of a couple months, um, she said, I wanna follow Jesus. She's like, but she wasn't ready to be baptized yet. She just felt like she needed to know more. She kept saying, I wanna wait till I get back to my own country and talk to someone in my own language so I can ask deeper questions. And I'm thinking, I hope she doesn't wait till she gets back to her own country. Like, I, I don't know who she'll be able to find. Um, praise God, we went on a, like a whitewater rafting getaway with her and her boyfriend right before she went back. And we talked to them all throughout the weekend, um, just answering questions. And finally, something Jason said just clicked with her. She's a swim teacher. And he said, if you're going to teach your students how to swim, are they going to learn just by, like, asking you questions? And he's like, no, they have to jump in. And that night, she realized she had been telling her students that same thing. You just have to jump in for decades teaching swim classes. And the next morning, she said, I'm ready to jump in. And so we got... <laughs> Um, her boyfriend shortly after said, I want to be a part of the family too. So we got to baptize both of them the next day. And, um, it's extremely exciting. Unfortunately, she had to move back and it's very risky to communicate with her. Um, but she just messaged me this last week and said, I shared Jesus with my son and he wants to follow Jesus. She said, but... It's really hard to find someone here to tell us what to do next. So that is my prayer yeah. for her. You guys can be praying for her too. Her, we'll call her B. 
Um, but praise God, we are looking for more people like her. Amen. You can take that with you. Oh. I, have it to... I don't know. How cool is that story? So yeah, um, I'm going to tell you another story. A story is, um, so we first get there and realize, I didn't know, but um, I don't know if you guys know, but I like to surf. Some of you guys know that. Um, so you can surf in Lebanon. I didn't know that either. And um, so we started to surf, and my kid, I had brought, you know, because I just bring boards. I brought three surfboards to Delhi, India. So that's how much I like to surf. Delhi, by the way, doesn't have an ocean. Um, those three surfboards are still in Delhi, India, so someone will be blessed by that. But I brought a couple boards, and my kids all of a sudden, they wanted to surf, and so they were kind of stealing our boards, you know, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> something's got to change. Not because I'm selfish, I want to surf with my kids. <laughs> so I went on this app, OLX, and I was like, I need to find a, a surfboard, and uh, I found one. Um, it was down in a Muslim area, in a Shia Muslim area, and the guy's name was Jason. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to meet up with Jason. I messaged Jason. Jason's like, all right, meet me at 11. I'm going to meet down there. Well, first thing, he's showing me this little foam board. I'm like, cool, all right. Well, uh, Jason, can I share something with you? And I, you know, have a simple tool that I have that's always with me on the back of my phone, and I was like, hey, um, you know, I share the gospel with him. He goes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, I just went to a, a little scared by myself for the first thing in Lebanon into a Muslim area. I, the last thing I was expecting to hear was, I'm a follower of Jesus. And my dad is the leader of a ministry in this country. Well, what's your dad's name? My dad's name is Jihad. I thought for a second maybe I was being set up. But I said I would love to inter be introduced to Jihad. G so Jason takes me to his dad, Jihad. Hey, Jihad, I'm Jason. And uh, Jihad said, hey, man, we have another American family. You're actually an answer to prayer. They have teenage boys. And we've been praying for a long time for friends for them. Would you be willing to meet up with them? Now this is the answer prayer. Is you've been praying for us, for our own family. So we're like, yeah. So the very next day, I call a guy named Matthew. Matthew, never met him before. All of a sudden, we're at his house, and we link up with Matthew. And I'm sitting with Matthew, and he's, man, we've been here ever since the blast has happened, and we are in 50 or 60 or 80 homes. I couldn't remember the number. He said maybe it was 80. He said, we're in 80 homes, and we just have no, we need help to get to these homes. <laughs> Hello? I'm like, I, I think. We might help. And so Matthew, I went back and told uh, one of the leaders on our team, I said, hey, can we help this guy? We got some workers. And yeah, we can help. So Matt, we got on a prayer call with Matthew. Matthew introduced me to a guy. Next slide. A guy right over here, Big Joe. Introduced me to Big Joe. And Big Joe's got a radical testimony. He was on the way to go kill himself. He had a gun in his backpack, and he met a man, and the man said, you don't need that. And he said, what don't I need? He says, you don't need what you have in your backpack. You need Jesus. Joe gave his life to Jesus Christ, and he's been walking with the Lord just kind of, just radically, not having a clue, but just going after it. And so 
God introduced me to Joe, and Joe, this is a, another friend of ours named Rudy, and um, Joe speaks uh, English, but broken English, and I speak little to no Arabic. And so Rudy came with me to help me with Joe a little bit. And I've been meeting with Joe. Joe, anytime I share Joe, we're going to be training some tools to you guys this week. Anytime I give Joe anything, he messaged me or calls me an hour later. Like, I just shared this with my wife. I just trained my family. Check it out. My friend Muhammad, I just trained him how to share the gospel. He went and shared with his friend and led him to Christ. And by the way, he's getting baptized this week. I'm like, you know, there are sometimes people say what we do, oh, you guys are special. There's nothing special about what, who we are. It's who, whose we are. I'll let you know that with these people, this happened from sharing the gospel. In Romans 1 it says, I am unashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. And we take that to heart. And these relationships have started by sharing the gospel. And we've seen some fruit, but it hasn't been easy. And to be honest, the last couple months have been or seem very dry. Anybody ever been in a dry season? Anybody been in a tough season? Maybe you're in a season like that now. We've been discouraged. Anybody been discouraged lately? Been discouraged? No, just me. One night at house church, we went over some verses. And so I'm going to ask you to open up with me to Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to go through a few verses this morning of the picture that Isaiah sees. I want you to understand that when we read these verses, we were in a, not in victory, remembering what God had done and seeing what God had done just a month earlier. We were in discouragement for what we felt like, what we, what we saw or what we didn't see in the moment. And it was in that, in our house church on a Sunday night that we opened up to Isaiah chapter 6. And it reads this. It says, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne. It was lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. And the seraphim were standing above him, each having six wings. With two, each covered his face, and with two, they covered their feet, and with two, they flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory, and the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of Him who called out, with the temple was filling with smoke. Isaiah's response in verse 5, he says, Then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live a, among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and atonement has been made for your sin. In verse 8, it says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. 
send me. Lord, we come before you this morning. God, we cannot manufacture an encounter with you. It's, you're in charge of it. We have your word and your promises. So this morning we will proclaim your word. Lord, would you speak to us through your word? Would you anoint us by your spirit that we would see you fresh this morning? That we would not see our lives through the, through the view of the, of, the, of the news or what we think is going on in our situation or what we see, but Lord, we would see you high, exalted, and on the throne. This morning, God, we give you the pulpit. We give you the microphone, Lord. We ask not our will, but your will to be done this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. amen. All right, so what do we see here? What does Isaiah see? Come on, church, wake up. He sees seraphim. What's the first thing he sees? He sees the Lord. What does he say? Sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted. He's sitting there. On the throne, he's in charge. I just want to pause and recognize in whatever you are going through. And I know we look around in the world, and it is crazy. There is not a country on earth. I'll tell you this. It's not just Hawaii. There is not a country on earth that is not affected by something right now in a radical way. But the Lord is seated on the throne. Nothing is done apart from his knowing it and allowing it. Amen? God is on the throne. Nothing's going to change that. There were seraphim. They were angelic beings and they stood above him. And they had six wings. And we always think when we see these, we're like, what? How many wings? Six wings? With two, they cover their face. And two, I'm just trying to notice it. They're flying around. They got two. They can't see. I don't know. They got two over their feet. And there's a picture of holiness and set-apartness. But there also is action. They're moving. And they're saying something. What do they say, church? Holy. Do they just say it one time? Oh man, yeah, I'm going to tell you something. I just came back. I'll tell you what I've been missing. I love poke. I love it. And there's, I love, I love Kahuku Superette. I love it in Wailua. Heck, I love it at Foodland. Thank you, Uncle Manny. I love it. And when I describe poke, I'm like, do I just, oh, that was good. No. Like, hey, how was the poke? I'm like, it was good. So good. Oh, my mouth is water. It was good. You know, I'm trying to picture what, what is this picture that's in heaven and how to describe this, but all I can picture is that, is it like, what are they seeing? And it's holy. What are they saying? It's holy, holy, holy. In Revelation 3.8, we see the same thing. There's four living creatures. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 11, it says the 24 elders, they're saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of all your will they existed and are created. Isaiah and John are seeing the same thing. The Lord is on the throne and he is 
holy, holy, holy. Is it, and I, I'm like, how would, how would I respond to this? How am I going to see this? Is it like watching Pipeline Barrel and be like, holy. Is it like seeing a beautiful sunset and just be like, wow. Man. This isn't the response of Isaiah. In seeing God on the throne, holy, 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 and exalted, Isaiah, in the midst of seeing this, his response was nothing like that. Isaiah actually says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In the midst of the Lord on the throne... Isaiah's response was not, yes, I deserve to be here, or yes, I made it. Isaiah's response was, holy, holy, holy. It's interesting because Isaiah's not the only one to respond this, this way. We see in Exodus chapter 3, verse 6, this is Moses, he says, it says, God said to him, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses did what? He hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. In Jan Daniel chapter 9, or J chapter 10, verse 9, when he sees the vision of the, of the Lord, what happens? What happens? He falls to the ground on his face. In the New Testament, we see Stephen in Acts chapter 7, verse 55 and 56. He says, but he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And Stephen did, Stephen did what? He fell on his knees as they were stoning him. In the midst of death, he sees Jesus on the throne. He falls to his knees. In Acts chapter 9, we see Saul. He was traveling to Damascus. And it says, now as he was traveling, it happened that he was approaching Damascus. And suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice. Heck, in Mark chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Even the demon-possessed man ran up to Jesus and bowed down before him. The response of Peter when he recognized who Jesus is in Luke chapter 5, verse 8. It says, But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. All of these when they encountered the Lord, when they saw Jesus, when they saw Him in His glory on the throne as King, Creator, and Lord of hosts, their response was humility and fear. They were moved from whatever position they had to a position of worship and humility. They went to their knees or to flat on their face. It's in the midst of seeing how holy He is that we see how unholy and how sinful we are. 
if we see God for who he truly is, maybe this is supposed to be our response. We cannot know who we truly are until we know whose we are. This is the foundation. It's where it starts. And I want to be clear. I want to be very clear that it's where it starts because there's so much more. Amen? Because in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah chapter 6, it says, One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away. An atonement is made for your sin. A sacrifice was taken from the altar and applied to Isaiah. Isaiah said he was a man of unclean lips. And here the seraphim takes the coal taken from the altar, touches his lips and says, Behold, it's touched your lips. Your guilt has been taken away and atonement for your sin. He is clean, cleansed and atonement was made for his sin. This morning, let me just tell you this piece right here. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, I know as a church you guys are going through Romans, that we've all sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. Now there's both a harsh statement and a comforting statement. Now why do I say that? The harsh statement is none of you, none of us, including me, are any good on our own. Somebody say amen. But here's the deal. We're all in it together. So no one else is either. So the one part is the super bad news. You're in a sinking ship. The comforting part is we're sinking together. Now here's the deal. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory, glory of God. But, there's a but. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus to be that atonement, that payment for your sin and for mine. This morning I told you that I didn't know where Beirut was, and I'm thankful that my homeschool wife knows where it is, so you know my kids are being educated well. But I didn't, and why I didn't? Because I was a drug addict and a drug dealer. I was a meth addict and I sold drugs and in the middle of a drug deal, God told me he had a plan for my life. And February 20th, 1998, I moved to Hawaii. I got clean and sober, but I still tried to live a life of just cleaning up. And it wasn't until someone told me that Jesus came for me. And that if I would confess my sin to him that he would forgive me and that he would cleanse me and he would make me new. I had an encounter with the holy God because he is holy, holy, holy and in the midst of his holiness he showed me his grace 
And when I humbled myself and asked for forgiveness, he was right there, not to clean me up. I was dead, and now I'm alive. And there's a confusion in the church. Jesus did not come to clean up your life. We are dead in our sin. He came to give you life and life abundantly. And this morning, if you've never had that moment, that encounter where Jesus, where you realize that there is God and you're not Him, and you confess your sin to Him and know that He is right there and ready to give you forgiveness, this morning is your morning. Today is your day. I'm going to tell you, church, the time is coming. We don't have many days left. This morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I was in the middle of a drug deal. I don't find it too out of the way that God would speak to you inside the church. You know what's interesting? You guys, anybody realize that we're reading out of chapter 6? You know, for five chapters, Isaiah is prophesying to Israel, woe is you, woe, 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 for five chapters. And it's not until chapter six that he sees God, holy, holy, holy. And his response was, he was, whoa, you guys. And church, have we done that? Whoa, you better come to Jesus because your life. You, but he said, whoa, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've been sitting in this building for a little while. Maybe you've even been part of ministry. Maybe you've been the loaves and fishes and sharing the gospel. And, but maybe you've never encountered the living God. I have the worship team come up. Maybe you've been sitting here for a bit. And this morning's your morning. This morning's your morning. Do you know that? Yeah. It's your morning. Patty Golden, it's your morning. It's your morning that God is seated on the throne. He's speaking to you, Auntie Missy, and he's saying, come to me, fall on your knees, humble yourself, I'm ready to forgive. And so whether it's your first time, you know, I've been thinking, when times get tough, I've often heard, go back to your calling. But I wonder if God's not saying, we're not supposed to retreat just further back to the encounter remember where we were as dead but how we are now in Christ alive